Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. It connects to your Swim Nerd mobile app, allowing you to program any set your heart desires. Except for 100 100s while listening to Nickelback. You can't program that. That that is not allowed. If you haven't seen the Swim Nerd Pace Clock yet, go to swimpractice.com to check it out. All right, Bob Groseth, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, my friend? Doing all right. <laughs> now, listen, now, where are you? Where are you coming from? Um, well, I'm currently I'm in San Diego, California, and working with uh, some of the team elite guys that are staying back that aren't, aren't in the ISL and uh, trying to take care of them. Uh, and then basically, you know, just hanging out. I'm, I'm based in Evanston, Illinois now, and I'm starting a project uh, with the Chicago Park District, trying to organize them. Uh, I really feel that we're, you know, that we're missing out on a lot of talent coming out of the cities. And I'm hoping to use Chicago as a model to, that uh, we can do that. Awesome. Excellent. Well, that's, that's good work. You know, um, I was looking at your bio a little bit earlier, Bob, and, uh, you know, I don't want to throw your age out there but you started coaching the year before i was born so i know that you've been in it for a while <laughs> yeah i have been coaching for for a while uh yeah I why started, why swim coaching uh well you know i i, I grew up swimming and i wasn't i uh, wasn't very a uh, very good actually i was a better diver than a swimmer okay uh but my brother was a really good swimmer and uh so that kind of kept me in the sport and i became manager of my high school team uh, in Illinois, Hinsdale High School, and they had a brand new team then, and then ended up being manager at uh, Indiana University under Doc Councilman, mm. and uh, then started my coaching career after that. And I ended up in college, but I really, my goal coming out of graduating from college was to be a high school coach. That's what really I wanted to be. Oh, wow. Oh, well, you just touched on something interesting to me, actually, and, and it's the name Doc Councilman. Everybody knows this man. Everybody's heard of this man uh, in terms of his influence on swimming over generations. But who was Doc Councilman to you? Well, he was, you know, he, he was the reason I went to Indiana. I had actually a couple other choices. Um, but Doc was a hot coach at that time and very interesting because, you know, I'd seen a couple of uh, clinics that he did, and it's, you know, it's kind of scientific approach to the sport. Uh, and just, you know, uh, being on deck with him uh, was got, like going to a seminar mm. every, every day. And uh, one of the things that Doc did was that he brought in the experts in, in everything, like he, biomechanics, he had Jeffrey Dyson was a great biomechanist from, from uh, England. He had him, him in uh, physiology. He had guys come in and they would visit. And these guys, he would keep them at his house and they would stay for a week or 10 days. And then they would just sit in practices and he and Doc, whoever it was, would, uh, would talk. And I'd be sitting behind him uh, getting my daily seminar. And uh, that, you know, that's really where I got uh, most of my education uh, at that point in my career. How long did you spend at Indiana? I was there four years, okay. four and a half if the guy did student teaching before I left. But uh, yeah, I graduated in 
in four years. So I was there from 63 to 67. Interesting. Well, I, I put out uh, a message kind of on Instagram and, and out and on a public forum the other day, and I was asking about um, drag and resistance. I'm, I'm really interested in, because actually what I was doing, I was sitting at a pool bar and I was watching a girl push off and she had all the attributes of a swimmer. You know, she had the right swimsuit, cap, goggles. She did her stretches. She, you know, she knew how to swim, but every time she pushed off the wall, it was like she had no idea about what resistance was actually doing to her in the pool. And I just wanted to stop her. And I, I knew she was relatively new to the sport, but at the same time, I was thinking to myself, how can I help her with this very complex idea of resistance and drag and just, just help her, you know, give her, give her a five minute piece on why she should be pushing off the wall better, you know? And so I've had a lot of people reach out to me and, um, you know, obviously through your experiences, um, knowing, knowing you and, uh, your passion for the sport, you know, you reached out to me and and we kind of got to talk. And so I, I definitely wanted to bring you on and, kind of want to explore this angle a little bit for now, and then we can go back into some other career stuff for you as well. But in terms of resistance and drag, what have you done over the years to try and understand it and study it? Okay. So yeah, the first thing, as I told you before, I'm not, I'm not a scientist, but I've I've Mm -hmm. tried to understand the science and um, you know, uh, drag is, you know, fluid mechanics, first of all, is a very interesting subject and it's kind of a, I call it an intellectual black hole. Once you go in, you get sucked in, and <laughs> and it's it's so interesting. Uh, you know, drag is very paradoxical in a lot of ways and counterintuitive. It you know sometimes it doesn't make sense. I mean, if you take you know two balls, for instance, one that's a smooth ball and one that has dimples on it, and you drop them in the water, the smooth ball at first when they accelerate will go faster and the one with dimples on it will go slower because of the skin friction or the you know friction drag Mm -hmm. then as they speed up the wake on the smooth ball is wider and the wake on the dimpled ball is narrower and so the dimpled ball then will go faster and then and then again so slowing down it's just the just the opposite the dimpled ball slows down slower and the smooth ball slows down faster. So uh, one of the things about fluid dynamics that's that's interesting in studying it, especially when you compare what most of the studies have been done with like airplane wings and, and airplanes and, and uh, boats and, and cars and things like that, they're going at a steady pace and they're, they keep the same shape and form. And in swimming, we're, always, we're constantly accelerating and decelerating and we're constantly stay changing our shape. And the, you know, the shape and orientation has so much to do with how much drag that you're, you're uh, resisting. And we also have to remember that drag is also a, a force that we use for thrust uh, during the pull and during the kick uh, mm. a drag, we use drag for thrust and then, and that, and that, the cost of creating that thrust is called an induced drag. So you have skin drag, which we talked about, which is just the friction of the, of the water going by your skin. And then we have form drag or profile drag, which is the water going, you, the water going around you. And then we have induced drag when you create thrust. 
it uh, that that creates its own drag. So those those are all different things. So you know, as as swimmers, we're constantly again accelerating, decelerating, changing our form from straight to to, to crooked. So each each one of those has uh, the proper way to reduce drag. But you know, I think as as a coach, I think probably your eyeball is is, is the best thing and um you know watching swimmers and again like you talked about before and i i've done this and i think all swim coaches watch watch how fish move through the water mm -hmm. and and how efficient they are i mean and uh, i was just talking with somebody the other day about uh scuba diving and just going down and enjoying watching how efficient efficient the fish are moving through the water and you know and, and uh, what what as swimmers we can do to to improve on that um so what did the so, what did the swimsuits do for us bob the what did the fast suits these shiny suits they call them uh what did they mm -hmm. actually do for us okay well they, they did a couple of things um some of them had you know first of all they they compressed your your body so you floated higher so there there's there's really two main ways that you can uh reduce drag one is to equalize the pressure around your body. So, for instance, when a submarine wants to go fast, it goes underwater. So it equalizes the pressure all around the uh, around the hull. Mm. Because when it goes at the surface, it creates wave drags, and that wave drag slows it down. When it goes underwater, there's no wave drag, and uh, and therefore just has the profile drag, and it, and it can go faster through the water. Mm. So you know that's. That's just kind of an interesting way. That's why you see the, the breaststrokers at the end of the pool and the kick where they slide underwater and, and they seem to accelerate. That's because they're reducing the, uh, the drag as they go underwater because they're equalizing the pressure around their body. Okay, interesting. Okay. And, and, and then there was obviously, you know, you talked about skin friction as well. That, that The suits probably took a lot of that away as well, right? Yeah, yeah. You had a lot of them with the with the you know the, the so-called shark skin ones, uh, and and that what that does is one of the things that creates drag is as you go through the water you create a wake behind you, and uh, what the what the <coughs> shark skin stuff did was made your wake narrower, and so therefore you had less drag. Um, mm. So the, so well, you had. I, to, I, ideally then you know now that the suits have been taken away how mm -hmm. do we break these world records that they were set in how how do we swim faster if we had a situation where we had technology that was um you know creating less drag for us and now it's been mm -hmm. taken away how do we break these world records well first of all you start out with with the very uh statement that you just made okay we put on the suits and it showed us how fast we can go when we reduce drag. So mm. now all of a sudden drag becomes uh, a very important component in uh, what we're uh, coaching and teaching. Yeah, that's true. So what are the, what are the first things that you're you know, telling the professional athletes, especially you know, that you're working with now, what are some of the basic things that you work on each day? Well, I think, uh, you know, a lot of us, you know, you know, push off the wall, see how far you can glide, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. I think the one of the things that you have to realize is that um, drag is 
is very specific. It's, uh, it's speed specific as well. So, uh, you know, you see people that are teaching people how to, you know, stay straight on top of the water and, and stuff like that, which when you're going slow, that reduces the drag. But when you're going fast, you know, you know, I, I talk about, you know, look at the bottom of a speedboat, you know, how it's just, you know, curved like, like it is. And that, and that does that for a reason, because that's the shape that gets you. So a lot of times, like, like if I'm working with backstrokers, I get them to work on rounding their back a mm. little bit and shaping their, their back like a, like a speedboat, mm. you know, roll the shoulders up around round the back a little bit and a great way to, that I use to teach that is I'll, I'll put a tennis ball and have them hold it under their chin mm. and then you using fins at first start kicking so they develop a lot of and and what happens one of the ways that you reduce drag is you get the, the reverse flow that comes back and they let go of that tennis ball and they see that it stays on their chest because if they hold their body in the right shape and if they flatten out their shoulders or lay back, it, it falls off. So interesting. Uh, very that, interesting. That, that's a great way. And, and another way that I teach it with freestylers is we, we get those, uh, you know, those big 12 pound medicine balls or the bigger ones that are 25 pounds that had a hole in the middle of them. Mm -hmm. And I would put a rope through it and put it around their neck. Oh, wow. And then I would have them swim and get in the right position. And when they first push off, there's a lot of resistance. But once they get going and they get the reverse flow coming in, they, they said, I, I can't feel it. You know, I just, I, I can't feel it. Uh, Very interesting. Because the, the, the flow is going along with them. Mm. You know, as, as you go through the water, you create a, a, a wave in front and the wave is always followed by a trough. And then if you, you see those guys with the big kick, and, and when they're moving fast, there, there's a wave behind. And we, all, we know that a big wave will overtake a smaller wave. So there's, there's, actually, a, there's actually water running downhill toward you. And again, that's why when you put the weight in, in back and, the, and they started swimming fast, the 25-pound the, the ball would just go along with them and they wouldn't even feel it. Um, Tell me this at full speed, ideally, yeah, let, let's just take freestyle for, for the first stroke here. Ideally at full speed, do we want our head uh, almost out of the water, half and half in the water or fully submerged in the water in, in terms of full speed? What are we looking for? Yeah. And again, I think it's, it's going to depend on the individual swimmer. I think if you have a good kick, then your head's going to be a little bit higher out of the water. And if your kick's not so good, you know, if you're entering with, if you're entering with a straight arm, and I think what's happening a lot with the straight arm is when you hit the water, your body raises up. So you reduce the wetted surface. It's, it's like, you know, when I get on a wind, windsurfer and I, when wind picks up and I, and I pick up the front end of the board so that I can go faster, that's because and I'm going faster and not because the wind got stronger and I'm going faster because I reduced the drag by taking, by taking part of the board out of the water. And mm. I think that's straight arm freestyle. You see people riding high because they, when they enter the water, the, their arm decelerates so fast and it transfers our body and pulls them up a little bit. Wow. So, interesting. So it's very, it sounds very complex really, isn't it? 
Yeah, and that again, that's why I think you, as a coach, you have to use your eyeball. You know, I, I think when you start explaining it to to a lot of swimmers, it's it just you know goes over the top of their head. And I think and I think that there is value, for instance, in teaching people to push off the ball and get into a straight position and feeling what it's like to be streamlined. Um, another good way of just teaching them the difference is push off underwater. And I, sometimes I'll do this, you know, like with a tray or a kickboard, push off underwater. But one of the great ways to do it is to have them put their hands on top of their head like this and push off and then get into a streamlined position and they, they feel themselves accelerate. Mm. And that's, and that's, you want them to get that sensation and, and, you know, like in the freestyle catch in that part of the stroke where they're, where there's, they're finished with the pole, but they're still stretching out in front. Uh, you know, yeah. one of the interesting things, like if you if you look at the uh, if you look at the acceleration graphs on on butterfly, the two fastest parts of the stroke are one when your arms are right underneath you, when you have the strongest part of the pole, and the second fastest time is right when your arms enter. So you've gone from where you have the most thrust, right when your arms are right underneath you. Mm-hmm. All the way until your arms are in front when you've lengthened your body and got it into a more streamlined position and you have enough moment of inertia that you actually go faster. So is that why there. fly flattened out over the past 10, 20 years? You know, fly used to be very up and down. And now it's yeah. almost like, you know, with the Phelps type style, it, it flattened out so that the the speed from where you said, like right under your body to getting back out in front seemed to be really important, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when, you, you know, obviously a, a longer, a longer body, you know, and, you know, as, as I explained, you know, the, the, the most streamlined shape is when the widest part of your body is about a third of the way back. So obviously when you're going over the water, the widest part of your body is in front. And then when you get your arms in front, all of a sudden, if you would measure from your fingertips to your shoulders, you would see that it's, it's about a little over a third of the way of your body, which is what you see with, with tuna fish and 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 sharks and everything like that that's what that's the way they're shaped and Mm -hmm. so you're getting into a really streamlined shape uh and then you know the arms underneath the water uh that's another thing that's really interesting uh you see these boats that have the bulbs under underneath in front of them Mm -hmm. to cut down drag okay and that's because every again uh every every wave has a trough and so if you put the bubble uh under underneath the water it creates a trough in front of you so normally where you would be where your head would be plowing through the water when your arms are in front you put your head in the trough Mm. that's why you see like freestylers when they're when they're uh distance freestylers or other ones when they're going easy easy how they put their hand in front and their fingertips kind of point towards the surface a little bit mm-hmm. and you're creating that trough and they kind of hide their head behind that trough that's because they they feel that that's a more they're getting less resistance that way and that's because they are getting less resistance because their head's not creating the wave in front wow that's really interesting talk to me about a guy like adam Petey, who's obviously miles ahead of the rest of the world what's something that he's doing really well to reduce the the resistance and drag well, I, I think the, the thing that, that people, uh, you know, except for those that have really studied, 
realize is that he's in a streamlined position longer than most of uh, other. So his, his, and he's got extremely quick hands and feet. Um, and he's got that, that really wide pull. So he uses, uses the long lever of his arms and his quick hands to get back into that streamlined position very quickly. And he's got that uh, quick kick. So it, lo it looks like he's just like going all the time. But then when you break down his stroke, you see that in terms of the percentage of time that he's in the streamline compared to the other swimmers, swimmers, he's actually in a streamlined position longer than they are, or a greater percentage of his stroke. His tempo is obviously a lot higher. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, I, I spoke to his coach, Mel Marshall, and she said something similar. And it's like, and yeah, until you slow it down, you, all you see is the speed. You just see how fast yeah. his hands and feet are moving. Uh, but yeah, in slow motion, you would see his line a lot more. Uh, that's inc pretty incredible. Um, what are some of the things that, well, in terms of this, uh, t tell me about the streamline position itself. What's your thoughts on head behind the arms or head in line, you know, we always say squeeze the ears with the shoulders. Um, but there seems to be a lot of people, you know, bringing their arms directly behind their head. Which, which way is faster? Well, in, in, in terms of streamline pushing off the wall, you mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you just want to be in line. And I think, you know, depending on how close your arms are here, mm -hmm. uh, then you can get it in, in between. I don't think you want your head above your arms and I no. don't think you want too far below your arms. You want to be in line as much as you can. Okay. You want, one of the things that, that I tell people when you're streaming, I like to see some people streaming on like, like this with their arms apart mm -hmm. is that uh, anytime that you add a point that the, the water's got to go around, that's going to increase the drag. So the important thing about getting in this position is that you're, you're one, one thing. Okay. So that would be an important point off the dive, right? So that's why you want to bring your hands together on entry, correct? Right. Yeah. You don't want your hands apart. You just want one, one thing going through. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Now talk to me about dolphin kick itself. Um, what's the most efficient? Cause I know you've studied fish and eels and all types of sea creatures what are we looking for there? What's the most efficient way to get the dolphin kick? Well, I think that the important thing about the dolphin kick is that is at the extremes, the change in directions. That has to be when when you're kicking up to kicking down the the uh, the change in direction needs to be really fast. So we do we do uh, I, I'll get people kicking on the wall, and I'll tell them, you know, like point your toes up toward the ceiling and then try and make what I call a ripping sound mm -hmm. that, you know, you know, you, you, you can hear those good butterfly kickers when they're just kicking easy going. Okay. And that's because they're changing the direction from up to down really fast. And that, and that, that ripping sound makes, makes uh, really, you know, from the transition from the up kick to the down kick is really fast. And that's where you get it. Because if you think about what's happening when, when their feet are coming up, there's, there's a vortice that's, that's trailing it like this. And then when you kick down, you kick against that. Uh, so that gives, it gives you something to kick against. If you kick, kick up and you're too slow, the vortice just goes away. Then you're kicking against water that's okay. still, as opposed to kicking against water that's, that's 
pushing toward you. It's kind of like right. you'd be, you, you should, you feel like you're kicking going downstream because the water's pushing you a little bit. Wow. Actually that's, that's, that makes a lot of sense. That's a good point. I like yeah. that. And then on, on the uh, other end of the kick, on the, you know, from, from down to up, it's the same thing. You're, you're drawing that, that vortices down right, right by the heel. And it, if you let it go, it just keeps going up and then you miss it. But if you change directions really fast, you push against it. And they can, they can, they can feel it when they get it right. So mm. the, dr the drills, the two drills that we do for that are the rip drill where they kick on the wall and they just listen. Mm -hmm. they, you know they know when they get it right and you you can tell when they get it right too because you hear that that ripping sound yep and then and then uh, on the other kick i have them kick on their back and splash water up and then try and kick the water they splash up mm. so that gets them to change the other other direction really fast so okay. that they're they're fast around the corners Okay. To explain this to me. I see a lot of great kickers like Ryan Lochte, for instance, underwater keeps his upper body very straight and still where the, a lot of the work is coming kind of from the, the, the chest down, you know, uh, the diaphragm down. Um, right. Why is it important to keep that upper body straight and still? Uh, again, because you're staying, tr staying in a streamlined position. So if your body goes up, then the, the, uh, as you can imagine, the water going around it is going to create a bigger wake. Okay. It creates a bigger wake, it's going to slow you down. Wide wake, you're going slow. Narrow wake, you're going faster. Uh, tell me this. Are we better off trying to figure out how to get to the 15 meters underwater as fast as possible? Or are we better off off the dive, hitting the surface and trying to get going straight away? No, you're better off underwater. You're just you're way more efficient for the reason that I talked about with the submarine. The the pressure around your body is the same, so you're not fighting a, a adverse pressure gradients. There's no adverse pressure gradients. It's the pressure is the same around your body, so everything that you put into your legs is is making you go through the water. When you get on top of the water, you're creating waves, and that's going to slow you down. Interesting. Well, well, in relation to breaststroke, why are some of the best swimmers in the world eliminating the breaststroke pullout now from their races? Uh, I think they they probably figured out that it's going faster. Uh, again, it, you know, when when you when your arms go apart, mm -hmm. obviously you're going to create drag there. So they've what they figured out is that they're they're better off staying in a streamlined position than just coming up. I think that. You know, I've I've done that. We've, you know, when I worked with the team elite, we had a couple of people that had didn't have good pullouts, and I I actually tried to convince them to do that, but they just, you know, they didn't want to go against convention. But it's probably I think, a yeah, hypoxic component as well, right? Yeah, I think, but I think more. I mean, it, when you push off the wall and you're moving fast, you're much more. You're you're gonna you're gonna be going faster there than at, at any any time. And then when, if you have a strong pull and a, and a good dolphin kick and a strong pull, then, and you can create speed, more speed than you would, then it, it makes sense to do the underwater pull. But if you, if you don't have a good underwater pull out, then it makes more sense to come up and start swimming. In relation to speed and, um, you know, everything we're talking about, why is it important to have a strong kick behind you? Uh, well, I, I think the, as I was talking about before, when you go through the water, you, cre you create a wake 
uh, wave in front of you and then a trough behind you. And you see those guys with the big kick and that, and you're, you know, you like, you, you see coaches that talk about, man, that guy is really riding high in the water. Yeah. Okay. You can see the guys with the big kicks and they're really high. And if you really get down at the level of the water, what you see is they're not any higher than anybody else, but they have a bigger trough mm. underneath. So the more, so they've, they've reduced the wetted surface in their body by creating that, that big trough in between by having a high kick behind and uh, that, you know, the, the uh, wave that they create in front with their head and, and creates the, and, and with a high kick, you get more of the water running downhill. Remember what I talked about with the, oh. weight, the weight behind them. There's, there's, there's actually reverse flow coming in with, you know, what some in fluid mechanics, they call a secondary flow where yep. the water goes around you and then comes back in. Nice. I love it. Is there anything I'm missing here? What is there anything you wanted to add in relation to this? Uh, let's see. What I just we... I two, wrote a couple of notes here. Just good. Yeah. I don't want to it's miss like... anything while we're on the subject, you know? Yeah. Well, I just, you know, I wanted to point out uh, that, you know, the, the difference between uh, and studying fluid mechanics from air and water. For instance, if if you take a brick at, at a thousand feet and and drop it, and after about two hundred meters, it reaches terminal velocity. So terminal velocity means that it stops accelerating; it reaches maximum speed. So just to give you an example, it, it takes about eight seconds when you drop it in air to reach terminal velocity, and that's and that's about uh, twenty meters per second. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you drop it in the water, it reaches terminal velocity in a tenth of a second. Mm, wow! A tenth, tenth of a second. Wow! And and its terminal velocity is about the same as a fast swimmer, about two two meters uh, per second. Wow, that's so, really interesting. Yeah, so that just shows you the medium that you're working in, how much thicker, if you want to. You know, mm. viscosity is what they talk about scientifically, but how much thicker the water is the, than the air. It's, it's, it's a little over 800 times thicker than air. Wow. So that, that's obviously drag is w way more important uh, in trying to eliminate it and, and also use the, the, the other uh, advantage that you have. The other thing I think you should know is that, that water resists with the same amount of force that you put against it, especially in its acceleration. And uh, one of the things that I do when I'm talking to people about it is I show them a video of a guy shooting an AK-47 underwater and the bullet goes to eight feet. And then I show a guy throwing one of those torpedoes underwater going 45 feet. Wow. And the an important thing there is, is that Again, one of the things that's important in, in streamlining is your rate of acceleration. The more you're accelerating, the more the water is going to push back. So when you're in accelerating mode, you you have one form of streamline that 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 you need. And when you're then when you're in in front after you've accelerated, then you get your body in a different position to not to continue to accelerate, but to slow down your rate of slowing down. That's what I call it. 
you when you get in a good stream, streamlined position after your pull, just like Petey does after his pull and his kick, he's getting a good stream, streamlined position. It's not making him go faster, although it does at the very beginning because he's, you know, you, you see how high he comes out of, out of the water and he takes that moment of inertia and takes it underwater. And then he seems to accelerate underwater. That's because now he's got less resistance. He's got a high moment of inertia with high resistance going to uh, going underwater to no resistance. And then that's why you see those breaststrokers when they go below the surface seeming to accelerate because now the pressure is equalized. They're not creating any waves. The pressure is equalizing all around them and they have less drag. Fascinating, Bob. Fascinating. Uh, is there any recommendations you have for young coaches who might want to research more of this stuff? Where, where could they look? Where could they find information? What, what should they be looking at? Okay. Uh, the, the one book that I recommend is uh, called Life and Moving Fluids uh -huh. by Stephen Vogel. Uh -huh. And um, that's, that's more of a lot of it's fish swimming and flying and stuff like that, but it gives you the basics of, of, of fluid mechanics and it's, and it's, and it's kind of a fun read, especially if you're interested in watching fish and figuring out why they go so fast. Uh, the other one that I recommend is called the elements of fluid mechanics. And that's more of a, you know, that's like a course almost, but it's, mm. it goes over it. And that's by a, 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 the author of that one is Hunter Rouse. Okay. So right. if people want to really dig into fluid mechanics, I would, I would start them out on those two books. Well, I do want to dig in. I started out with you. So that, <laughs> I just come to the expert. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, listen, I do want to just touch on a couple of other subjects. You know, we're in a pretty um, crazy state of, of, the world right now, but especially in college swimming, I know that, um, you know, you've, you've had uh, associations with, um, you know, college for many years and the American Swim Coaches Association and, and, and all of it, you know, um, but where, where are we at with college swimming now? Why are we in such a state of, uh, you know, programs disappearing right now? Yeah. I think a couple of things that, that uh, maybe to calm people down. And I know I, when I was executive director about you know eight years ago, it, it was the same thing. Um, that, you know, I think there are certain universities that are, that are going to drop their program because they can't afford it. But if you, if you look at, you know, um, there's actually more scholarship opportunities now than there was 10 years ago. But a lot of it's in Division two because those schools are admission-driven. Okay, a lot of the state schools, they, they get as many students as, as they want. They, you know, they don't have to worry about how many students they have. But Division two and Division three schools, they, they're worried about getting students. So they have to do things to promote it. And one of the ways that they're doing that is, is by creating athletic teams because that brings people on. And you know when, when I was executive director, one of the things that I did was go around to Division two and three schools that didn't have programs and say, you got a pool. Here's what a, here's what a swimmer looks like. He gets good grades, comes from a good family, a lot of us, a lot of the families can pay tuition. He's going to represent your school well. Why don't you have a swimming team? Mm. You know, and uh, I see we've seen good growth in and in Division Two and Division Three. And now you, you know, up up before this pandemic, you were seeing Division One programs starting to. Be. So I'm 
I'm not that worried about it because uh, in colleges and universities, they're going to want the type of person a swimmer is. Um, and they may, they may go, you know, like we see, saw at Iowa, you know, some people will make irrational decisions uh, based on what's happening on the moment instead of looking at the big picture and they're going to drop the program. But I, I don't think, you know, we should lament that. And I certainly do. I mean, I was, you know, I mean, mm. you know, we talked earlier about Doc Councilman. Doc Councilman got his master's degree at Iowa. Mm. And, and uh, you know, and Iowa was, was in terms of the forefront of, of, of uh, a lot of the, of, uh, the training techniques. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah. a lot of people say the dolphin, uh, the butterfly stroke was invented there. Um, but anyway, you know, we, we lament the loss of our uh, programs like that as well we should. Uh, but there's swimming is, is strong. Uh, it's doing well. We're getting faster. Um, we're figuring out ways to do it. And uh, I think I, I think swimming in college um, is in a good place. I think the th thing to worry about uh, in terms of colleges and universities is one of the things that people are deciding like, okay, so I'm sending my kid to college. He's, he's taking these courses online and I'm paying full tuition. Mm. It doesn't make any sense to me why. And I think, I think that's going to get people more to question the value of college, especially, you know, paying big tuition prices. So I, I uh, you know, I, I think that, that, the, you know, some of those universities should be a little bit worried, but I think in, in, in general, the state of the state of swimming at, at the college and university level is still strong. And I, I think it will remain that way. Is there anything, you know, you think in just the short term that, um, you know, division one programs could, could be doing for their programs just to kind of cement their, their place in where they're at with the university? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, you know, getting, getting to the alumni and, and, and building up a, a fund. And one of the things that, that I always tell people when they, get, when they get their alumni to contribute is have them contribute some of the money to the school because then they're, you know, if they're just contributing to the swimming program, then the school itself is not getting anything out of it. If they contribute $10 a year to the school, the school is going to send them all their alumni stuff. They're going to be listed as a contributor to the school. And then when that's one of the things you can use as leverage and say, look at how many of my swimmers are contributing to the, to the school, not mm. just that they're contributing to the swim team. I think a lot of people miss that, 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 that aspect of it. And I think that it really helps when the school feels like, yeah, you're supporting the school uh, as well as the swim team. Yeah, I love it. What's something that you're most proud of about your career looking back? Uh, you know, I think uh, I think one of the things that 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 um, I've always been proud of is is and what got me into college coaching is in is I think college is a place where you get to de define yourself. You're away from your parents. You get to define what you want to do and how you want to do it, and uh, and I know that it was a big awakening for me when I when I went to school uh, in Indiana and I got to, the, you know, I wasn't defined of, you know, how people thought of me in, in high school and stuff like that. So I, I, I you know, I, I, 
I, I think that's something that I've tried to carry across to all of all the swimmers that I've had in college. And I think that people a, a love and interest in 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 the sport and and just like you're talking about, how does it work? You know, how does it work? You know, get that peak that curiosity in them and, and, you know, how can I swim faster? I think when you, when you get that kid who's, who finally says, you know, I, I want to figure out a way to get faster, just like you, you know, tell me some things that, 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 you know, that can make me faster. And then just, you know, going through that, you know, that, that stage of curiosity and then figuring it out and all of a sudden it clicks in, you know, I just had that the other day, I just was working with a kid and, and he was struggling with it and struggling with it. And then he came back after doing two lengths and said, that something just clicked. I got, mm. I got it. You know, yeah, that's a good that's feeling. The, yeah. When the, when the kid says, I got it, then you're just, that's, that's what keeps you going as a coach. Yeah. I love it. Well, listen, Bob, you had a huge impact on the world of swimming, not just us swimming and um, very thankful. Glad to know you appreciative of all your time and effort and um, look forward to coaching with you more down the track. All right. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. You bet. Thanks, Brett. Bye.